Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a February 16, 2023 edition of the MSP Initiative Live. Some general housekeeping that we like to do in the beginning of these calls, and then we'll get right into the good stuff. So um, mspinitiative.com, this and every session will be listed under the sessions tab of the website in podcast and video format. Choose whichever one works for you. Uh, you know our famous community block parties. Uh, we'll be uh, announcing some uh, throughout the year here. We're working on some of the logistics still, but rest assured they are coming. We are parking the bus this year and we're doing two in-person events called MSP Community Minds, uh, one in Dallas in May and one in Denver in August. We're bringing experts from around the industry to actually get past just a presentation with bullet points and like things you should look into and get more into a workshop style where we want you to actually like get past the dream stage of things and actually get to a point where you've gotten a couple steps down the road. These events are totally free to MSPs and you know we want you to join us. So you can see this under MSP Community Minds, Dallas and Denver, uh, whichever is best for you. Lastly, we have uh, a couple of offers. Uh, these will be expanding, but effectively vendors from around the industry that just wanted to throw some special offers up for the community through MSP initiative and you'll find that on their community offers. So all of that being said, I would like to uh, welcome Mr. Eric Torres uh, to, uh, to the call. It's been, it's been a minute. I think we saw you last in Orlando in November. Yeah, yep. So talk to us about yep. the famous white glasses. Everybody loves that. <laughs> It's like, your, it's like your calling card. It, it, it happened unexpectedly. I, uh, yeah, I, I have a ton. I have a, I have a problem with two things, buying shoes and buying glasses. I have way too many of each. And, uh, and then I bought um, my first pair of white glasses a, a few years ago and they became my favorite and I wore them more and more and more. And then people just started recognizing it. And then we turned it into a thing because uh, at ScalePad for for booth swag, we we were thinking of ideas and what to give out and blue light glasses with everybody sitting in front of a monitor all day long, especially you know once everybody went to go work from home and, and all that. Um, decided to get some white blue light glasses and and they uh, they were a hit. And then we started branding them. So the ones that I had at IT Nation said um had our the the scale pad brand on all of them but the the eric torres edition so people were, were running to the booth to grab those so yeah it's become a thing yeah so apparently for people who haven't been to milwaukee before that's your that's your backyard right you know it well oh yeah oh yeah i am born and raised here in milwaukee and uh i i call myself the uh the mayor of, of my little neighborhood here so yeah it's, it's a good time awesome so Let's talk about ScalePad for a little bit. So I'm going to just go down what I think I know. So originally started off as Warranty Master and then rebranded. And now it looks like you guys seem to be building out a, a little bit of a platform, right? There's been some recent acquisitions. We've gotten past the warranty component, although that's still there. And yep. like, it sounds to me like we can talk about the new additions here, but it sounds to me like you're trying to, cover multiple angles from MSP side, both reporting and QBRs and a bunch of other things. So like zoom out with me, right? What what is ScalePad today? What 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 is all of the pieces underneath of the of the umbrella here? Sure, sure. 
Um, I'll start with, with first what you mentioned, uh, Warranty Master. So we, we started out as Warranty Master back in 2015 and, uh, and was simply a, a warranty lookup tool. And um, it exploded. People started using it. It was a fantastic tool to, to increase revenue streams. And that was our goal. How do we increase revenue streams for our partners? And then it started building into much more than that. So that's what led to the brand change to ScalePad, which I'm still doing a lot of educating out there in the community. There's a lot of people that still call us Warranty Master, but ScalePad, and, and even as you can see in our logo, there's different tiles. And underneath that ScalePad umbrella are going to be different applications and platforms to further drive revenue streams for our partners, uh, make them more um, operational, uh, mature, so increasing how they work and 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 increasing um, their efficiencies, and then adding uh, new services that have yet to hit the channel from an MSP lens, and uh, and that's that's where we're at today. So we do have Lifecycle Manager. That's our our flagship product, and that is um, the old Warranty Master, but also has evolved to um, uh, full Lifecycle Asset Management. So warranty lookups along with prepping for that QBR reporting or technical business reviews, whatever MSPs want to, want to call it on their own, but we automate everything that we can to truly make that, that process as quick as possible. Um, we also looked at the backup side of the house, what MSPs are doing for backup. Most MSPs have multiple backup options that they're selling, and it's hard to manage that in, a, in an efficient manner having to jump in and out of portals and, and different things are on different backups. And it just becomes a lot to deal with. Backup Radar was an acquisition we made uh, back uh, during the pandemic. And uh, and that is designed truly to, to manage um, the, the backup platforms and the backup vendors that, that MSPs are using. And then recently, as recently as this month, we announced um, the acquisition of Cognition 360, and that is uh, business analytics. So specifically at the moment, specifically for ConnectWise, but tying into their, their systems to uncover and, and again, automate a lot of the reporting capabilities so that the MSP owner can make intelligent decisions on who their most profitable clients are by month. And is that that client profitable one month, not profitable the next because there's a fire to put out. And even um, engineer efficiency. Who are the engineers that are bringing you the money? Who are the engineers that could use some help? And uh, and yeah, that's that's the, the high, very high level overview of, of what Cognition 360 does, but that's brand new to ScalePad and we are super excited to have them on board. Wow. So you're, you're, you're checkboxing four or five different items here. Yeah. Um, I guess the goal here is like business intelligence, right? I think that's the, like the big theme, right? Like the more data that you have accessible and the more automation on data collection and the reporting of it, the more powerful, you know, you are saves time, but then ultimately, you know, you can get to those customer meetings and like actually have something presentable that doesn't look like you just hacked it together in Excel. And then also the ability to, you know, kind of tie from multiple angles, right? Uh, I love the Cognition 360 side. I think that was a great 
uh, move on on uh, Scalepad's part. Uh, backup radar. I almost forgot about them to be honest. Uh, but multiple backup vendors all coming into one solution. Uh, it's almost like an RMM style approach to backup, which is great. Yeah. And yep. then you still have like you know the 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 core solution. So you know, like it seems like the vision here doesn't stop at these four or five solutions. My guess is that there's more coming. There is definitely more coming. Uh, we've got some tricks up our sleeve. Um, we one of our 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 models in in house is we aim to be the best apps in an MSP stack, and we're going to continue to add to that. We want ScalePad to be thought of as as that that source of of tools um, to to accommodate a lot of what what we've been talking about. Our and this comes from from my boss Dan Dan Wensley. Dan Wensley has built a, a framework for everything that we've done, and it comes into four basic pillars, and it's automation, automating everything that you can do and seeing, you know, how you become more efficient, the more you automate and limit the amount of time that you're doing your engineers and, and the ones that are running the businesses, uh, um, automating tasks so they can focus on growing their businesses, um, standardizing um, what they do, how they do it, service delivery, strengthening those client communications. And once you do all three of those, the increase happens after that. Increase your efficiency. Increase your bottom line. Increase your margins. So it's it's uh, that framework is how Scalepad is built, and then everything we're doing, all the acquisitions we're making, all the tools that we're having, and even tools we're developing in house, it all falls into that framework somehow. And how do we continue to do that and make the MSPs more profitable in, in the end? That's awesome. I love the vision. Uh, obviously, uh, we're in an interesting time here in MSP land. You know, I want to like go back down memory lane for a second. Um, what's your view? And like, don't get yourself in trouble, but you've been around the block. Dan's been around the block for a long time. What's your view of the state of, you know, the, I call it the sandbox, right? IT land. Sure. There's still a lot of roll up happening, especially on the vendor side. Mm -hmm. And we're still hearing the same themes coming up around, you know, contract lock-in, you know, three-year everything, price increase. I mean, it seems like there's a, there's a square peg round hole. What, what, do, you, what do you see is happening now? Um, I, I mean, it's, it's no secret. You, you hit it right on the head. There's, there are a ton of roll-ups that are happening uh, on the vendor side. We're seeing it on the MSP side. There's there's MSPs that are getting gobbled up into the larger ones, and they're very successful. and And I'm excited about that. Um, change can be viewed a, a couple of different ways, um, good and bad. Um, I I always try to find the good in everything, and I see some of this as as very good for the channel. Specifically, you brought it up: three year contracts. A lot of people don't like that. I, I understand that, but I also see from vendor standpoints and even MSP standpoints of why you want to lock people into a, a longer contract. And it is to ultimately to, to, to save some money too. Um, so that, that is a, a touchy subject, but if you really do look at it, if you're really happy with your vendor and the vendor is doing everything they can to help you and provide excellent quality service, I wouldn't necessarily mind jumping into a, a long-term agreement provided, you know, needs are being met. Yeah. I think one of the, you know, I hate to go into the Facebooks, Reddits, Discords, Slacks. I mean, so many of them out there now, but I mean, 
one of the themes that keeps popping up is lack of communication, can't get a hold of people, things getting stuck in the process. They're not, you know, moving along. So like one of the things you just said there was, are they getting quality service? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of one of the big fears, right? That the larger the company, the less the quality of the service is. And it's, it's tough. Um, I, I, I've, I've been part of organizations where that was one of the biggest challenges um, it, with, across a couple different organizations where, you know, we're, we're growing so fast and the, the amount of support internally that's needed for that. And, you know, as an MSP, when, when you're calling a vendor, it's because there's an issue, there's something wrong. And then when you get somebody on the phone who may still be learning the account or learning the solution themselves, and maybe maybe it's support that's a, a little new, that can be very frustrating. It's it's, it's a frustrating thing that we're we're all going to have to deal with, and and just get past the, the best that we can. And and again, multiple companies, I, I've seen the, that challenge and rising up to that challenge and, and addressing it and hiring the best people we can and and uh, addressing the needs of, of the MSPs has to be at the top of mind and everything that we do. 100%. You did a lot of MDF in, you know, events in your past. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of IT service providers just have no idea that this exists. And like, they don't understand what's involved or how it benefits them or what's, you know, like what do they have to do in order to get, get access? Um, but there are other people that just crush it with this model. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. If for the MSP that's never heard of them, an MDF program, can you explain to them what it is and why they should look into it? Sure, sure. Um, in a not so politically correct term, it's free money from your vendors. Um, so marketing development funds that uh, that's it's it's a, a budget set aside specifically to help MSPs grow. Um, Early on in my my career on the vendor side of the world, um, uh, when when Rob Ray hired me on board at Datto, he, I was a former Datto uh, um, partner because I I worked for an MSP and I was utilizing MDF from uh, the some of the larger vendors, so your Microsofts, your HPs, your your Lenovo, IBM's, and when I came over to Datto and joined Rob. Uh, he gave me the MDF program and said, I want you to run this as an MSP. What do you want out of this? And the first thing I said, I'm like, let's start stripping off some of the rules that are there. If we have a budget, a bucket of money to help people grow, let's have a conversation on how to best use that money and put together an event, put together a, a campaign and whatever that may be, if we're both making money together, then it's successful. So from an MSP standpoint, one of the other things that, that I, I did and, and a, what a lot of vendors are, are now doing as well and continuing to do it at Kaseya and, and when, when they're doing it is making it easy. And the, the mindset that a lot of, of MSPs may have regarding MDF is, uh, I'm going to have to request that money and then it's going to be this huge reporting thing and I got to go through all this. It's, it's not worth my time to get $1,000, $2,000, $3,000. If you develop the program the right way, in my mind, anything you do for a vendor, as an MSP, anything you do for a vendor should take you 15 minutes or less because you need to be out there selling. You need to be out there focused on your business. I don't need you filling out reports for me. I don't need you spending an hour requesting money and and doing that. Let's just have a simple conversation. 
what's the idea? I know it's going to work and let's, let's develop something that, that we can both benefit from. Um, and when you, when you brought up the term MBF, I, I smile. That is that MBF is a passion of mine. I, I, I get more out of going into an MSP's location and doing a presentation on their behalf. And then a week later, a month later, 60 days later, having that partner call me and say, I got three new customers because of what you did. And you came in here. That to me is very fulfilling. Um, ScalePad doesn't have an MDF program yet. I'm still working on it. I've only been here uh, uh, coming up on a year now already, but um, that is a, a true benefit that I would love to bring back. Even, I don't know the scale of it. I, I haven't even uh, approached it yet with, with internally, but I want to be there more for our partners and, and how can I develop that to, to help our partners make more money and, and building out a team to do exactly that. Go out and help with the presentation, help with the campaign, give some ideas on, on knowing what's what works and what doesn't, and then helping win business. So if you were to think real quick, what are the top few things that you know work every time? Still, and a lot of people would disagree with me on this, still the tried and true lunch and learn. And I'll take it a step further and, and just say event, because um, I, I always steered our partners to doing a, a breakfast event. Don't even do a lunch and learn. Don't even let somebody get to the office and then decide they're too busy to come to your lunch. Do it right in the morning. Have morning, have breakfast with me. Be here by 7.30, 8 o'clock. We'll, we'll network for a little while. I'll give a half hour presentation. You'll be back at your office by 9.30, 10 o'clock the latest. You've got your whole day to work. And that to me, and that was proven time and time again, still gathering people together, informing them, educating them about what you do as an MSP is still the tried and true method of, of growing business. No doubt about it. Awesome. That's great feedback. What do you think about the vendors that are doing like co-branding around like sports teams or larger public events? Do you feel like stuff like that works? I've been to quite a few sporting events uh, where where it's it's much in the same as as an event like like a, like a lunch and learn, but renting out a box and having your top partners and top prospects come and enjoy a baseball game, football game, whatever that may be. That can work if it's done effectively and because it's expensive. That's a that's a that's a huge expense. If you do it right, it will work. Um, I've also seen on the large scale of MSPs that do advertising at sporting events. Um, there's one in specific, uh, Impact out of Chicago. Um, I see their logo on on uh, all types of, of outfield walls. We have it here in, in Miller Park. Well, I still call it Miller Park. It's American Family Field, but um, where, the, where the Milwaukee Brewers play. And, and I see those logos out there. They're spending the money. So they're, they're seeing ROI from getting their brand awareness out there. There are things that, that MSPs can do from a branding standpoint around events and sporting events and, and things like that. What I don't recommend and what I will steer people away from is, and I'm I'm a golfer. I golf as much as I possibly can. I steer our partners away from sponsoring your chamber golf events or you know your fundraiser events. That's fine. You want to do that, but just know if you're going and sponsoring a golf hole, none of the golfers out there care. 
nobody's out there like, hey, do you remember that one vendor that was on hole six? Like that never happens. What I direct our partners to do is if you want to do that and you're a golfer, an avid golfer, why don't you take three of your prospects golfing? You've got four hours with them on a golf course. You're going to sell at least one of them. No doubt about it. So take them golfing rather than sponsoring a, a hole at a, at a golf outing. That's going to be well worth your time, more fun in my mind, and you're going to get a sale out of it. No, it's, excuse me, great feedback. Um, obviously, creating a good experience gets people to engage, right? What about the movie theater buyout? Have you seen that work well? I have, I've seen a few of those and I've seen them be wildly successful and I've seen them fail miserably. Um, it, it's one or the other. And, and what it, what it really comes down to much like any kind of campaign event or initiative that you have, it's putting forth the resources, the time and the effort into that. The, the ones that simply, the ones that failed um, all they did was they attracted people that were there for a movie. That's all they did. And they didn't have any plan on pre-event or post-event and anything like that. The one that the ones I've been to that were successful had a fantastic follow-up plan, even pre-event who they invited, because they didn't want people like extend an invite to the latest Star Wars movie. Somebody has a family of five, they're gonna bring their family, and that's five seats right there. So there were, I've seen some that said, I'm, I'm giving you two passes, that's it. And filling that room truly with prospects. I mean, that's, it. I've seen it work and I've seen it fail. So you brought up a good point, pre and post, right? I think, I mean, I feel like ever since I walked into the sandbox almost 20 years ago, um, sales and marketing, right? Keeps on popping up in the top three, five things that people are struggling with. What's what's a successful pre and post strategy? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, pre strategy, the 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 key to success is dedicating the time. And if you develop that that plan in advance, and and in my days, I've helped partners develop that plan. And instead of just saying, "Yeah, I'm going to have a a breakfast event. I'm going to invite some people," like no, really give it some thought. What kind of people are you inviting? How does that invite look? Are you personally calling people to invite them? Are you writing a handwritten note and sending that out? There's all types of little things that you can do that a lot of people look past. And, and it starts with that, that very first initial contact of it and thinking all the way through. And one, one way that, that one thing that about me and the way my, my mind always works is back in my days as an MSP, I was a, I'm a processes and procedures guy. So what I did at, at the MSP is I, I looked at our entire business from the moment we picked up a phone to make a cold call to the day we cashed a check on everything that we did, what could happen on every project we ran, every new MSP customer we had, every single aspect of our whole business. And I mapped it all out. It was like, it was insane. The war room at this MSP, I was writing all over walls. I looked like a crazy person. But I had it all mapped out into literally cold call to cashing a check. It's the same thing with developing your event from initial outreach to cashing that check. What are all the things that need to happen? And if pre-event, you have to think those things through. It can't just be, 
I'm going to send an email blast out and hope people sign up. That's going to fail. Yeah. So there's, there's things that you can do to, to, to help warm those leads up, get people there, have some advocates in the crowd, some of your own partners that are already on that solution. There's, there's a ton of different things that you could be doing pre-event. Post-event is the hard part. Post-event is the, the grunt work of sales. And that's the follow-up, the phone calls, the emails, the LinkedIn messages, the, the, the being told no a bunch of times before you get told yes. I mean, that's, that's just sales 101. I was also early in my career. I, I was uh, I started in the channel as a cold caller, which is oh. like the very bottom. All I did was dial the phone eight hours a day. That was my job. Dial the phone, generate an appointment. Somebody else went on the appointment. I was generating appointments for for the sales team, and rejection is something you got used to very quick. And I was I was making cold calls to people for six, seven, eight years before I finally got the meeting. Wow. And like that, that kind of persistence. And I was getting meetings. I, I literally got meetings from somebody. It was a guy going, you've been calling me quarterly for seven years. Like, stop calling me. I'll meet with you. Just stop calling me. I'm like, deal. I broke you. So let's go. He ended up being becoming a client. So it, seven it worked. Years. Seven years. Of yeah. <laughs> At so that it does point, work. At that point, it was a challenge, though. Like there was a handful of ones that I knew. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that person one of these days. I'm gonna get them. And and the satisfaction once you do, it's so. Yeah, it, it's, there's no magic button for MDF for sales for marketing. It's effort. It's effort. It's phone calls. It's talking to people. Without without that, you won't be successful. So Gary V, who most recently. Uh you know, did a, did a thing at Datacon in DC said that if you're under 25 million, you are the company, you are the brand that the company's brand isn't as important as the individual that there's some truth to that. Right. I mean, yeah. like, I think the more personalized things are the better the result. And I feel like that also plays on the other side of the aisle. Right. You mentioned Rob Ray. Congratulations, Rob. You now at PAX mm -hmm. eight. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, good things to come, but mm -hmm. like having the face of the, of the effort of the company from an outwardly standpoint, isn't that like a big part of what is successful versus not? No doubt about it. Uh, and, and from an MSP lens, I, I've always encouraged that at joining those, those chamber groups and networking groups and and being out there in the you know even a small town i, I hear msps all the time oh I'm, I'm just from a small town no difference they have a chamber they've got networking groups they've got their 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 business organizations i mean you're, you are the brand you are going out there so go to those events and it can be uncomfortable for many i mean it's to this day i've been doing it for now 16 years i'm uncomfortable walking into some of these things and you get used to it, but I mean, walking into a room where you know absolutely nobody and you're, you're forced to go up there and start talking to people. I mean, some people are excel at it. Matt Scully is one of the best I've ever seen that can do that. Um, but it, it's a, it, it's needed in what you do. And, and you start doing that. You're building those relationships and referrals that start coming in. Another tip I've always given MSPs is 
if you're walking into a situation like that, you're meeting with somebody. And, and it's one thing that I learned back in my early days from the owner of the MSP that I worked for. He's like, if you can walk in, walk into your first appointment with a customer, potential customer, and do your research ahead of time, know who you're meeting with, know what they do, but then also keep in the back of your mind if you can give them a referral. And it sounds kind of corny, but it does really work. If you can walk in and it's, you know, let's say, for example, let's pick an easy one. It's it's a, a chiropractor. Like, you know, have in mind somebody and just be like, hey, by the way, I'm, I told uh, my friend Joe about you, just so you know, I don't know if it's gonna, anything's going to come of it, but, you know, just that little step is, is going to get somebody to stop and be like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. And then that person feels the need to reciprocate and say, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get you back someday. I'll send somebody your way and however that may be. But little things like that, that were just ingrained in me early on in my career that still hold true 16 years later. That's awesome. Um, what are the biggest objections you've heard with MSPs who don't have a structured effort around growth, right? Like maybe they're, you know, just, hey, I grow through referral, you know, like every once in a while, somebody pops up on the radar because somebody recommended me and mm -hmm. like, I just kind of grow that way versus, hey, I have a, I have an actual budget. I'm going out there. I'm doing the activity. I'm building a pipeline. Like it's almost a night and day, right? Between organization A and B, depending on who you're talking to, like, why do you know what are the main things you're hearing from people who are like nah you know growth is not for me i'm just gonna you know kind of go as i go there's nothing wrong with that i i know plenty of of msps out there they're they're that lifestyle msp and and they're very comfortable they've got a very happy team they've got their processes down and and they're taking care of their customers and, and i hear it where they're like I don't even think about getting a new customer until I, I'm at risk of losing one. And that's a great lifestyle for some. And some have that mentality and it works and it, it's it's beautiful. Me, when I was an MSP, I was always trying to dominate. I wanted to be the biggest, the baddest, the best and, and capture as many as many clients as I could. So I had the, the other viewpoint. How do we grow? What kind of resources do we have? What, what, what can I put towards this? Then you've got the ones in the middle that want to grow, but are, and oftentimes are the smaller MSPs that are the business owner, the accountant, the sales rep, and the engineer, and they're doing it all, and, and they, they, they simply don't have the time, and, and for somebody like me to walk in and say, yeah, it's, you just have to dedicate the resources and time, and they're looking at me going, well, that's what I don't have, and and, and another thing too, it's, it's not like they, a lot of these people can just go out and hire somebody. Like they may not be at that point either. And that's when, when I encourage them to join some of the, 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 the marketing vendors that are out there. Um, I see Pete on this call right now, you know, listening to, to Pete and even joining some of the other larger ones that are out there and just, just gathering, paying your, your monthly subscription, your monthly fee, but getting some, some created content or having a resource out there that can help create it for you and and help you know plant the seeds for your growth and and it's it's a fine line um i i see both work tremendously i'm i'm firmly on the side of i want to always be the biggest and baddest that i can awesome so relationships you mentioned earlier are super important right and on you know you knowing people from prior roles right as you're in the industry or 
even MSPs knowing other MSPs that they've met at other events. Mm-hmm. How important is the networking part of this whole sandbox? Because I, I mean, listen, there's a plenty of events to go to. There's no end in sight, which is great, but you know, some degree, not you know, nobody has that much time to be out of the office every day, right? As an MSP, sometimes they got to yeah. pick and choose. But like, I've always felt that hey, the main stage or the keynote or the breakout room, it's all great. I'm going to learn something. I always got more from the conversation in the hallway at the bar on the curb. Do you agree with that? Do you feel like the networking oh, is more important? 100 percent. Um, and I'll I'll answer that from both an MSP lens and, and vendor lens. Um, vendor lens is is easy. Yeah, that's that's where we get our business. The 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 lobby, the hotel bar, the the street, as you mentioned, and and it's our job as vendors to go out there and make these connections, and that's what happens after after the keynotes after the the sessions i mean it, it's no different than being in the booth and in my mind the, the booth hours just extend to the to the lobby and, and afterwards um from an msp standpoint that is the 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 gold in the event meeting another non-competing msp somebody that's doing exactly what you're doing that is where you're going to learn more than even listening to somebody like me up on stage and a shining example of this is very early on in, in my MSP days, I went to, um, it was actually a DattoCon. It was DattoCon Vegas. So that would have been the second DattoCon. Um, I went to that as an attendee, as, as an MSP. And I, I bonded with another Datto uh, partner, um, one of Datto's top partners, um, still one of Datto's top partners, David Pence in South Carolina. And we bonded so much that it went beyond products and services. I was calling him and while still at an MSP, explaining some troubles I was having with other employees. He was more like a, like a, like a, a, a mentor and a coach, if anything. And I was bouncing ideas off him saying, man, here's what I'm dealing with. Like any, anything you can help me with, what, what would you do in this situation? That all came from going to Datocom. That all came from going to an industry event, making a connection. We bonded, and and that relationship just evolved after that. So that that type of thing happens time and time again, and for a lot of folks out there, with so many people. So it's not just creating that one that that you latch onto, but you're you're meeting so many people, and and people are helping each other. Who knows? Maybe maybe there's a day to merge, and you have your you know a mul- a second location in a whole different state because you met somebody at an event. It's amazing what happens with just a little bit of conversation. I can appreciate that, you know, a couple of drinks at the bar probably loosen some people up. Let's face it, there's a lot of people in this industry that are a little bit more reclusive, right? Like maybe they're not the first people to warm up to a conversation, but if somebody opens up a conversation with them, all of a sudden, you know, they get into it, right? So, you know, I, I find it interesting in our kind of vertical that, you know, these conversations lead to such so much good, but it takes a little bit of warming up to get there. Yeah, and and it's it, you break people out of their shell, and and especially if if they're newer to events and don't have that click of people. It's kind of like high school. You go to, you go to lunchroom, and you know you you see the the, the cool kids sitting at, at the table, and you're trying to like have your own set of of people that you hang out with every time, and. And that definitely happens in, in lobbies where you go and you see somebody that you saw a couple months ago and you go and you chat with them and you chat with the next person and, and it builds from there. But 
breaking out of that shell the very first time is it's difficult for quite a few and and even myself to this day it's 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 hard for me to walk in a room where I don't know anybody and and start that first conversation but then once you do and you get the over the fear of that it's yeah it 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 can be awkward but the the awkwardness is also kind of fun so you do a lot of traveling my problem is seems to be airport security but i digress what's your worst <laughs> travel story oh man um i've got quite a few um i was on a my worst flight I was on a flight with Rob Ray and we were going all throughout Asia. We had a long flight um, to Malaysia and this little girl behind me was just kicking the seat for, it was like a nine hour flight. And I kept turning around, looking at the mother, like, stop, like it's a nine hour flight. I'm trying to sleep. And that's probably the worst flight. It was just nonstop. And they, like the, the the respect for anybody else on that plane just wasn't there from this family. That's probably the, the, like the worst, um, which isn't even that bad. You get that all the time. Like flights are annoying. Um, I mean, you, you have delays, you have canceled flights, you get stuck. I, I never want to let that get me too angry. Like I, I never want to get to the point where I'm, I'm yelling at, at, somebody at an airport like that's not going to get you anywhere um it's not their fault either so um you know that that happens so i always look at it like it's part of the business if you're a road warrior like me you're going to get delayed you're going to get canceled you're going to have to spend nights in a hotel that you were not anticipating you're going to miss home and you're going to miss birthdays and and holidays and things are going to happen and it's it's the lifestyle we chose and uh and i just i look at it that way I assume you don't fly Frontier or Spirit or one of those guys, but more recently Frontier Airlines came out about a month ago and said, we're deleting our phone number. You can't call us anymore. You can chat with us, but you'll never be able to call and actually talk to a human being. Does that sound good to you? Oh, man. I See, I am... I'm two different ways. If it's depending on, on what I'm trying to, to get in touch with on any kind of product or service or, or whatever, I am the, the chat so long as it's a live chat. If I can live chat with somebody, because I can keep working and I have the window open and okay, I'm just going to chat with them and, and I'll get, if it's Delta, I can chat with them and, and get flights changed and all that. And then there's other times where, yeah, I need that phone number and I don't want to go into the, 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 the automation jail. Like I just want to talk to somebody and I'm yelling, talk to an agent, talk to an agent. And uh, deleting your phone. I did not know they deleted their phone number. That is, wow. I I suggested that MSP and IT services providers don't take that strategy. No, I mean, I appreciate that a lot of customer communications happening electronically across multiple channels. But if somebody's, you know, there's a fire, I don't want to text 911. Just going to be honest. Yeah. 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 No so, doubt about it. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. Um, you're a big sports guy, right? You know, I see you all the time at the Milwaukee, you know, uh, basketball games, right? Yeah. I'm at, I'm a avid, avid Bucks fan. I, uh, I, I have, my dad has been the season ticket holder. This is his 44th year. Wow. Um, so I, I grew up going to Bucks games all the time. Um, I, I bought in with my dad now. So I go to, I've already been to probably about 15 Bucks games this year. I don't even know, but uh, 
Yeah, I, I love the Milwaukee Bucks. Brewers, Packers, yeah, you name it. What's what's your outlook for the season? Championship, no doubt about it. Wow, that's your that's your bar. Championship, yeah, championship, yeah. Anything less, it's it's anything less is a failure. Aaron Rodgers, stay or go? Go, <laughs> go. We've had it. Um, he's fantastic. He's he's really good, but you're going to get a ton of baggage. And the more he aged in his career, the worse it got. And uh, at this point, he's he's gone. I, I think that I don't I don't think there's any way we bring him back. And uh, and um, I am I know we've been spoiled as Packer fans. We had Rogers and Favre, so there are literally people that are of drinking age now that only know two quarterbacks. <laughs> so. <laughs> So yeah, that's uh we're we're in for a very long and dark period as Packer fans. There it is. Um thinking back, right? And you've been to so many, so this may be hard. Favorite event you've ever gone to? Favorite events. Um I will say I'm a little bit biased. Dadocon is always gonna be in my my top one or two. Um, believe it or not, my favorite industry events are the Evolve quarterly meetings. I love the the IT Nation Evolve group. Um, I love, I really missed it. Um, my last year, uh, moving from Dado to ScalePad, we were not part of Evolve at ScalePad. So I missed uh, a few quarters of that and, and really missed it. Um, this year we are a part of it, but those events, you they're, they're smaller in size each quarter than the large events that happen. And there's no concerts, there's no big, huge parties, anything like that, but it's just fun to me. And, and the, the relationships I've made, I really look forward to those. Um, I mean, a lot of the, the industry, um, uh, big, uh, vendor events, it nation connect it from Kaseya. Those, those are all a really good time. Dad, Dadocon's always going to be, I mean, I've, I've got a soft spot for Dadocon, so. 100%. Since you do a lot of golfing, favorite golf course? Favorite golf course. Um, that's so hard to answer. I've played Torrey Pines in San Diego. Um, I go to San Diego on vacation every single year to go to the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. Um, that's quite an experience out there. Um, my favorite course um, I don't think I've played it yet. I think that's my Ooh. answer. I okay. haven't played my favorite course yet. I've played some really, really nice ones. I've played U.S. Open courses. I've played, you know, premier, you know, well-known courses that are out there. Um, I think if I could get to Pebble Beach, that would have to be my number one. Awesome. Let me, let me, let me circle back a little bit. Now we're on the tail end to the theme of automation. A lot of people, Eric, say that the idea of automation was a very great marketing pitch, but never actually came to light, right? Single pane of glass, everything tied together. Like a lot of people bought into the dream and like the dream never necessarily matriculated, right? Yep. Why is that? And, is it, so and do we ever get there? It's so hard to do. Um, the, the, the challenge and then every time you think you have that challenge met, something else pops up and, and no, I don't think we'll ever get to that point because there's going to be a new service, a new solution. There's going to be a new something that MSPs are going to use to say, man, I got to bring that into my ecosystem and I need to make this just work. And it has to be easy. 
So no, that that's that's an ongoing task that all of us vendors have to have to help our partners with. And no, I don't think we'll ever get to that point where I've got you know my one thing and that's what I use and it just works and everything's happy. Nah, you're always going to be adding something. Hundred um, percent. What do you you know? What do you tell the people who say? man, this security thing's getting so problematic. I question whether I want to continue going down this road for the sheer liability fact. And that, that's the question. It, it, even pre-pandemic, um, a lot of those MSPs that, you know, the, the buzz pre-pandemic was, oh, MSSP, and I want to be an MSSP and add all these security solutions. I want to be, the, you know, do all this. And then it became, wow, there's so much liability in doing that. And there's so much that you need to 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 be aware of and to be an expert at that now it's kind of shifted into that. I don't want to be an MSSP, but I'm going to partner with one. And that's where like, I wouldn't, if I was still working at an MSP, I would, would say, no, I don't want to be an MSSP. I'd rather partner with somebody who specializes in just that. And for that type of solution that I'm, I'm going for, here's, here's who we're going to use. But there are those that are out there that are saying, I've got the resources, I got the time, I can hire the right people. Let me be that expert. And, and it works for them. You, you just hit a keyword that seems to never go away, hiring. Obviously, we're in an interesting market flip at the moment, right? I think the buyer-seller dynamic has changed over the last 12 months or so. Um, how much does hiring the same old process, the job boards, the interviewing, the normal ebb and flow versus you leveraging relationships to bring people into the organization? In my mind, you want to leverage the relationships first rather than the unknown. And, and uh, back early in, in my career as an MSP, um, we grew quickly. We, we were, I was the ninth employee there. We were a small shop, you know, under 10 employees. We grew, and in the time that I was there, we grew up to 65 employees. And every time there was an open headcount, they all turned to me and say, who do you know that, that could fit in here? And it was all friends. I didn't hire any family, but it was all friends and, and friends of friends. And my network that I hired, because it was quick, it was easy. I knew their talents, and, and it made for an incredible culture. I went to work every day, and my, my best friends were there. Like You can't get any better than that. Um, which made it awfully hard to leave that MSP when it was time for me to leave. And then same thing on, on the vendor side of things, you meet people and, and you see the skill sets when you're out there on the road and then you, you go and, and not to poach anybody, but you just, you know, put some feelers out there. Hey, I got a, a position that's open if anybody's, you know, interested and, and you make those connections. And I've even made connections out there where, you know, people have said, I'll follow you, you know, you name it, like, I'll, I'll go follow you. And, and who knows, maybe it will happen at, at some day. But, you know, those, those are the things where it makes the hiring process easy. Now for an MSP, that that's a little bit more difficult. And especially talent wise on, on the engineer side, it's one thing on sales and marketing, like you got your friends and, you know, their, their qualities and, and things like that. But the, the talent side, what, what I told a lot of our my partners to do is go to those job boards, have that relationship with your local trade school, your tech school, and and build your own employees. Get an intern. And what what I did back then is we would hire five interns, knowing 
Only three of them would even last during that internship. And then of the three, maybe one would say, yeah, I, I, I'm good enough. And they had the qualities where we could hire them. Our best, even on the sales side, some of our best sales reps at an MSP came from somebody we built. I was, I was one of those. I came in as a cold caller. You're, you're an intern, cold call, eight hours a day. You make it, you go into inside sales, you go into outside sales, you go into marketing, you can do anything you want. And, and having that attitude of, of saying, I'm going to go build my team and having that long-term play while still going out there and trying to hire the talent that, that has the, the resume. Um, but yeah, hiring, hiring is, is probably the number one challenge I still hear for years that I hear MSPs talk about. I can't find enough of the, the right people. Yeah, it definitely hasn't you know gotten any easier. Um, I mean, we're now in a period right now where all the big tech companies have cut by 10, 15, 20, 30%, double digits, right? And like, it's very interesting when you put a job ad ad and you get somebody from Google or Facebook applying for your, you know, for your gig. So I don't know if overqualified is the right word or yeah, just square peg round hole, you know, but it just seems like there's a lot of people who are working for very big names that are now on the street. And it, it's concerning when you see those big names start to tighten their belts and, and lay people off. And, and I get asked all the time by my, by my friends and family don't, that still don't really know what I do. They're like, so does this affect you? And, and all that, like, well, not yet, not really, because the, the channel is a little bit different. Um, now we just have a little bit bigger of a pool for, for the MSPs to choose from, but um, it, it's more where you'll see people move around and, you know, and, and on the vendor side of things, like you, you see it all the time, somebody gets let go and they get picked up by another vendor in a matter of a couple of weeks, which is the 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 good thing about about the channel. But I I mean, I don't think it's hitting us yet. If anything, all of the security incidences, COVID, um, everything that small business owners are are seeing out there are now looking back at MSPs, relying on them even more and saying, "I really need you." I, I can no longer rely on, you know, the mailman's son's best friend to build my website and manage my network. And, and I, those days are gone. They're, they're, they understand what an MSP is now. And, and but times are, are economic times, maybe not so good, but times for an MSP and, and getting people to be aware of who they are and what they do right now is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely a lot of you know, financial TV talking head type people that said, hey, doom and gloom, 2023, save your money, batten down the hatches. We're still only in mid-February. So, you know, mm -hmm. like floor hasn't quite really dropped out yet. Um, and there's a lot of people that have said throughout the years that there's always a delay, right, on anything happening in the real world when it comes to, you know, the sandbox that we all, you know, like to play in. Do you, do you believe that you can absolutely grow during a downtime financially as an, as an IT services company? Well, it, yes. And, and here's why, because they, they MSPs or uh, small SMBs are, are going to cut back on their, their projects. And maybe they don't have the, the funding for that new server rollout or, um, you know, that, that hardware refresh cycle that was supposed to take place this year. They're going to delay on that. And, that is just a, another way to look at it like, okay, well, now if, if we're going to be working on older hardware, I have to spend more time working on it. And there's more issues that are going to happen. And, you know, post some incident, 
you know, there's billable hours that, that like there's there's that that method of changing the the structure of how you're delivering your business and even extending the life of, of hardware equipment. I'll, I'll tell you the warranty services that we provide and per purchasing MSPs can purchase warranties through us. Right now, during the economic times, we're seeing an uptick of warranty purchases because exactly that. SMBs are, are prolonging the life of their equipment and MSPs are coming in saying, then we got to make sure that this is under coverage and we have to change our managed services contract as a result. And I need to make sure that when this does fail, that we're prepared for it. So yeah, there still are revenue streams out there and in, in, in the, the downturn in the, the, the economy that MSPs can and do take advantage of. 100%. Where are we going to see you coming up? I know you're a road warrior. I'm sure you got a full schedule this year. What are, what are some of the yeah. things you put on the calendar? Um, I have Evolve and ASCII next week. So I'm going to Phoenix and then flying to ASCII uh, Newport Beach. Um, after that, I'll be at uh, the Channel Companies Exchange event. Um, those are those are the three of my crosshairs that I've been working hard at prepping for on that. I've got presentations at each of them that I'm still in the midst of writing. Um, so those are the next three. You'll see me at all the ASCIIs. Um, you'll see me at all the, the major industry events, all the Evolves. Um, those are, that's our, our focus right now. 100%. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what coming into the end of this year, going into next year looks like. I wonder if we're going to see a slowdown on some of the vendor roll-ups that are happening. I wonder if we're going to see a, a slowdown on, I mean, obviously the interest rates higher, right? Does that give some of the smaller guys a little bit of breathing room now for, for a little while versus what seemed to be an unlimited stream of funds for, you know, for, for a while? I think, um, I think you're right. I think there will be a little bit of a slowdown on the vendor roll-up. I mean, we had significant vendor roll-up last year, and uh, it's like, how much more can really happen? Yeah, the the smaller, the newer, the startup vendors, yeah, they're, I mean, that's their their game plan. They're going to to bring in, and we're doing that here at ScalePad, too, not, not to to say that any of these these acquisitions that, that we're, we're um, talking about and, and making our, our um, startups by any means, but... You know we're we're going to continue to grow and and uh, and it's full steam ahead on that standpoint. So a slowdown from the very large industry shakeup ones, but I I see an accelerated one of of all of the smaller newer vendors coming on board where you know the, it just the synergy you know the how cognition came on board this month with us is it makes perfect sense and joining forces is is a beautiful thing. Awesome. Where do people find you, get more information, find out if they want to learn more, all that jazz? Easiest email address ever, et at scalepad.com. It's always et at wherever, wherever I'm at. Um, so et at scalepad. Um, check out the scalepad website. We've got a ton of different resources on there, next events and, and things like that. Um, LinkedIn, I'm active on LinkedIn, Facebook, social media, you name it. Um, yeah. Connect with me and, and I'm happy to chat. Even if it's not about um, skill pad and solutions, things like that, I always tell people, you want to just chat. If, if you're looking at a specific vendor, if you're you're looking for a specific vendor, if you want to chat things that aren't skill pad related, I'm, I'm all in. Maybe they just want a cool pair of white glasses. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I, I was thinking during this um, top golf courses, I wouldn't put it at my top course, but 
uh, one of my top holes. I did play number 16 at TPC Sawgrass, the stadium hole. I played it and I birdied it back in November. So that's that's probably my favorite, one of my favorite top five holes of all time for sure. I knew that was simmering in the back of your head. <laughs> yeah. uh, Eric, I appreciate you for coming online, guys. This session was recorded. We'll get it posted on sessions at uh, under the MSP Initiative website. Uh, so I kind of threw like uh, uh, an entourage of questions over here at Eric. And by the way, we never we never talk about this ahead of time. We just go into these calls and just yeah. jam. So uh, <laughs> he, he was pretty prepared for something that you didn't prepare for. I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Always. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. And we'll catch you on the next one. Cheers. Good to see you, pal. Cheers.